approaches. Blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, they can't hold a flame against you, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, blow the whistle, got the game, it ain't no issue, blowing the whistle, I had enough with you, the championship, it is gone, ain't listen to you, I can't give it to you, cause you don't know what I've been on, this is the coaches, podcast, ripping up everything, off that, Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Fantasy Coaches Podcast. I'm your host today, Coach Jibs. Today we have Coach Steve, we have Coach John, and we're coming to you live on a Sunday, which is strange. I know we usually record on Mondays and Thursdays, so um, nice little Sunday preview for the NFL Draft, and um, I'm just going to let my co-hosts speak of how their weekend was. Coach Steve. Yeah, I mean, it was obviously a great weekend, great draft, a lot of cool things happened, a lot of... uh, you know, a lot of disappointment, too, because I think a lot of people thought people were going in certain places or at least in favorable situations for fantasy. But that's not always how the NFL draft works. Uh, we've learned that from year after year that it just doesn't work that way. But uh, overall, a good weekend. Miami had a good draft. So I'm, I'm thrilled. <laughs> John, yeah. it was fun. Kickers. Yeah, it was fun. I got to watch the uh, Patriots trade back in the first. As always, I got to watch them draft a kicker. So it was a typical fun draft for me as well. Shout out to the good old boys. Uh, I was on their show. I think I just missed Steve. I was on there for most of the first round and had a good time. And yeah, it was great. Uh, it was a good weekend. I'm excited. We get to, um, this is where I tell people the pre-draft rankings are fun and dandy and the scouting process is great, but this is where you need to really pay attention is where they get drafted. What does the depth chart look like? You know, what is their all this advantage? And now we know way more to the puzzle than we ever did, uh, you know, two weeks ago. Oh, for sure. I could see your guys' rankings going up and down <laughs> via the destinations and whatnot. But, um, yeah, draft. Um, I love what the Eagles have done. And we're actually going to get into a nice little draft tidbit in our new segment. And Coach, do you do have the news slide, or we're just? Gonna uh, I didn't. It's just one okay. thing. So well, I'll let you announce it. Come on. Uh, during day three, the Philadelphia Eagles acquired DeAndre Swift, Detroit Lions' former running back, for I believe a future fourth round pick, and then uh, I think they was a seventh round swap or something. Yeah, um, yeah. Something like that. but it, it was cheap, guys. Um, I, I definitely like the move. I hope it comes with bubble wrap because now we have Penny and Swift together. So, like, maybe one of them could do the first half of the season, the other one could do the second half of the season. But regardless, um, of this his new situation, like, I think he could be a viable piece for the Philadelphia Eagles. Obviously, like, I think he could be in more use because, like, the way we rotate our running backs a lot. So I think he probably could have a more sustainable uh, season without injury, and he should do pretty well um, running behind and catching behind that Eagles offensive line. So I'm okay with the move. And you have now two running backs on the roster making uh, not that much money. I know DeAndre Swift's on a, his last year of his deal, but you guys could be here for one year and they're gone. So there's no, no baggage with them whatsoever. So I like the move. Yeah, I mean, it's a super smart trade if you're the Eagles. I, I was texting my buddy the other day. I said the, the Eagles should win some form of Nobel Peace Prize for the way they <laughs> drafted the past, like, two, three years because it's crazy. It is crazy how they just acquire talent and trade picks and move around. And the, the fact that they were able to get Swift for so minimal of an investment, if he stays healthy, I know, again, it's a big if, but behind that offensive line, that should certainly help. That that offense again should be top three in the league. So it, it's crazy. It makes the Jibs the Jibs uh, the Gibbs pick Jameer Gibbs pick a little bit more make more sense. Um, but still, it was smart for the Eagles jump on um, jump on a situation and add some talent to a backfield. I think it's great. Yeah, it was a, definitely a great low risk move. Obviously, not they weren't giving up a top three round pick for him. I mean. Man, yeah, he has his injury concerns over his career, but you know when he's healthy on the field, I mean, he's very that's just a dynamic runner, very good for us in fantasy. Uh, definitely kind of kept his value somewhat alive with um, going to Philly because obviously we were really concerned about DeAndre Swift for a, mo- a minute there, but obviously he is good and ready, hopefully for the Eagles and obviously for uh, redrafts this year. You know, you're expecting a guy who's probably a top five, four round pick. 
and, and redrafts this year. Probably a high-end RB2 with some upside. We'll see, depending on how like they use him in this offense. There's a lot of very fast running backs that can hit home run threats with Penny and Swift. So it will be interesting to see how they use them. But uh, I thought it was a smart move for the Eagles to make right now instead of having to get up and draft a running back. So good move. Ready made. Okay. And today, folks, we're going to give you our NFL draft recap. Um, we're going to do the wide receivers and tight ends on a future episode. But for today, we have the meat and potatoes, the quarterbacks and the running back position. So I believe first we're going to get into the uh, early round quarterbacks. So let me pull up the slide. And as you guys could see, and as you guys probably know, Panthers selected Bryce Young with the first pick. The Texans got CJ Stroud with the second pick. The Colts, surprisingly, um, for me, like, they select the Andrew Richardson number three. And we're just going to get to these first three um, players because they're basically the first three picks. <laughs> um, and I'll let uh, Coach John go first. Um, we could discuss Bryce Young and what the Panthers selected. Yeah, so I think we talked about this when we talked about our quarterbacks and fantasy rankings and all that is – you know, for fantasy, I had C.J. Stroud ahead of Bryce Young, but obviously from a running an offense and operating an offense standpoint, you, you got to take Bryce Young 101. He is such a plug-and-play pro. Um, now the question with Carolina is, can we figure out everything else? Because I think we have, a, a you know, a, a competent quarterback that can move pieces around, and you saw them address wide receiver a little bit later. They hope Terrence Marshall takes a step forward. So, uh, you know, you hope Miles Sanders does some damage. It, this is, they have a good offensive line. Their run game was solid last year. You just hope Bryce Young accelerates that passing game. So I love the pick and I think he's going to be a great star. The Texans taking CJ Stroud to me. I like the pick. A lot of people were shocked by it, but I love it. I think he is another one. Um, he's basically a, an accurate, big bodied quarterback that can move outside the pocket, showed it at rare occasions and, so I think that that's to take them at the 102 means that the Texans are invested. They're really invested in this player. They're going to see what they got. I think they have um, some work to do on their line, but they have some competent pieces in Nico Collins, and they added uh, Devin Singletary, who can pass up, catch pa catch passes out of the backfield, um, and you know Damian Pierce, who looked to be a solid runner when you know everything was going his way. So. I think both players, the 101, 102, fall into interesting situations. If I'm in a single quarterback format, I'm probably not taking them till like the back of the first, middle of the first. But super flex format, I'm okay taking either one of these guys 101 based on preference. Um, and then Anthony Richardson to the Colts is crazy because we always considered this to be uh, the Colts were almost like a win now situation where I would have thought if CJ Stroud fell to the Colts, that would have made more sense because he is a out-of-the-box, accurate pro, Anthony Richardson needs a little bit more work. And so how does he develop with the Colts? That'll be very interesting to me. Um, I think he is certainly a, we talked about it, a swing-for-the-fence, freak athlete kind of guy. And if he can figure out some of these accuracy issues, um, he could be crazy dynamic in, in that offense with him and Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman. And, you know, if all things start to fall into place, could be really fun. Um, but it's much more of a, to me, a wild card. Um, but in super flex rookie drafts in that format, I would, you know, obviously you got your Bijan and then, um, you know, probably Bryce Young 102. You could make a case for Anthony Richardson because there is a lot of talent in that kid if he does hit. So I think all three land in good situations. It was just interesting to see the Colts make that pick um, because he does seem like more of a develop developmental guy. And I feel like the Colts could have taken someone who could just operate an offense and probably sneak into the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, I thought this was basically close to what we were going to expect. You know, obviously the Panthers taking Bryce Young. We knew that for the fast last few weeks. Now he should be a really good fantasy quarterback. Eventually. I don't know if it's going to be coming right away. He's obviously doesn't have the weapons at the moment to really help his help him succeed. But uh, Frank Wright knows how to keep quarterbacks good, not great. Um, and they can just get some talent around him. He's already an accurate quarterback. He just needs to be to be protected. And if he does, he'll be great for this franchise. It just depends how much they're willing to protect him and how they're going to develop this offense to fit his skill sets to the best of the, his abilities. Uh, CJ Stroud, definitely everyone was thought the Texans were off quarterback and clearly they were not. 
Uh, Schrock goes to Houston here, a very strong passing kind of quarterback here. He's not a mobile guy. He's not a big runner, but he will. he's a very accurate downfield thrower kind of quarterback. Probably one of the best quarterback throwers in this class here in terms of accuracy and power strength combined. Uh, I mean, the weapons will come as the time comes on. They gosh, you got a couple guys in this draft that I really did like that we'll talk about at some point. So, I, I mean, I like this pick as well. And, of course, Anthony Richardson – I think John kind of said it best. I mean, you could they could have went a different direction with Will Levis or something like that and maybe went for more of a this year thing. But it really does seem like the Colts are really trying to hit that restart button, develop Anthony Richardson, kind of what uh, Shane Steichen helped do with Jalen Hurts the last few seasons here now and get him to up to speed where he can be a true dual threat kind of player because he has the tools. And I think I mentioned this early on, I think on a podcast, it was that he has all the shiny things that you would want in a car, you know, the, like the Ferrari doors, the lights and everything, but the, just the engine just needs to be worked on a little bit there. And if they can get the engine running smoothly, uh, he's going to be elite for the Colts there. And they continue to add weapons around there. And they have a lot of weapons for him too, as well. Uh, I'll probably Stroud is probably the th- fourth option for me. It's either between Bryce Young or Anthony Richardson in terms of the one or two, because BJ Robinson is definitely the one one still. And we'll talk about him soon. Uh, I've seen so far in drafts that Richardson's gone 102. I've seen Bryce Young's gone 102. It consistently for me, it's probably depends on what I need at quarterback, either stability or upside, uh, how I do my picks there. But probably Richardson, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud are probably in some somewhat of that order for me. Oh, yeah. Very interesting. And I also like to mention that um, Shane Steichen did work with Justin Herbert too. So yes. he has a, yeah. a little long list going for him with uh, quarterbacks that he kind of made a flourish in the NFL. So I'm definitely intrigued by Anthony Richardson. And then we're going to go into the latter half of these quarterbacks that are picked in rounds two and three. We have the phenomenal Will Levis and Hendon Hooker. Um, Levis was the second pick of round two. And the Detroit Lions picked Hendon Hooker in round three during the midway portion of it. So, um, John, we'll let you talk about Will Levis. I'm sure you're not as mad as he is that he didn't get picked in day one. <laughs> um, no, I, I, um, I understand. I, I just kind of the way the board was falling, it just made sense that um, someone would probably wait at that point till early day two to take him. So it makes sense that he was the second pick in the second round, which is like shows that we we didn't want to let him fall any further. Um so, and I like the landing spot, you know, I really do. I think that the Titans do need to sort of reset their offense. They need to figure things out. They have a massive piece in Derrick Henry that I think can either a help Will Levis develop or B be used as an asset to get more pieces for Will Levis to work with. So either way, the Titans want to move this direction. Uh, I think they have a chance to surround Will Levis with some talent. It's fun. It's interesting spot. You know, you, you needed, you, you need someone who can step in. We don't know how long Tannehill, you know, is going to, you know, run this offense, operate things again. If the Titans want to start this reset button, Will Levis looks like someone who has going to have, you know, not a ton of pressure on them because if they have to ride Tannehill for the first six games, they will. So the situation's good. I like it. And then Hendon hooker, I think landed in an awesome spot and, and in probably the appropriate cat, you know, first round talk to me was a little crazy. I like this. Now he has, he doesn't need to start right away. He can sit back. He can get healthy. He can develop all aspects of his game. He can make sure that he's, his knee is a hundred percent and then fight with Jared Goff, who he absolutely can beat out at some point towards the end of next season or early, you know, 2024. So I think both players uh, in the long term landed in good spots. No, on Steve. Yeah, uh, obviously, you know, I was a big Will Levis guy uh, coming up into the draft. So seeing him fall in round two definitely sucks. Uh, I mean, he did land in a pretty solid situation, I think, with the Tennessee Titans that I think can help build around him. I think he's definitely a, a, definitely an upgraded version of what Ryan Tannehill can do. They both kind of have some mobility to him. They both can throw. I think Will Levis has a stronger arm. There are definitely certain accuracy issues with both of those guys kind of so i mean i think in the long run they're going to find themselves a nice franchise quarterback definitely a big upgrade over what they did last year with malik willis uh and they drafted him and i think will levis will probably start at some point this season here uh, especially if the titans kind of fall behind at some point in this division here which i believe they should and again titans need to build some 
weapons around him, get him some more weapons. They didn't really do that too much in this draft here. I'm hoping that's a 2024 thing uh, for them and to kind of build around him, make sure that offensive line is, is protected around him. They, they got a good running back. We'll talk about soon. Um, he probably fell from like the 106 to 107 range to probably the 110, 111 range for me. Uh, I definitely have gotten him at the 110 in rookie draft super flex leagues at this point, but he's definitely not a, a sure thing as much just because of the second round capital to him. But uh, he should still probably be a first round pick in, in most super flex leagues. Just assume that he's probably not going to start right away. Uh, Hendon Hooker, uh, John said it best. Uh, great landing spot for him. He's going to be able to sit behind Jared Goff for the year. He probably won't even have to consider starting until 2024, maybe even 2025, if Jared Goff ends up doing really well this year. Uh, again, to be determined on that. But uh, again, the kid has the weapons around him. He's probably a really strong second round quarterback that I'm, I kind of want to take a shot on. Again, his risk, he's older. He's already 25 years old. By the time he might start, he might be 27. But he's going to have a lot of experienced weapons around him that makes it very interesting to kind of go and make sure you grab him in round two and two or five leagues if you need him. But uh, definitely both these guys landed in good spots. And, um, again, these are the top five quarterbacks in the draft that I'll take in the first probably two and a half, three rounds at least. Yeah, I, I would. Yeah, for sure. I, I wouldn't. The only one is Hendon Hooker, and I probably wouldn't let him slide past me at like the 206. You know, I'd probably take him in that range. So, but Will Levis, if you're in the back of the first, early second, that's where I would take him. And then Hendon Hooker, same, middle of the second. These are the, those five are the, are the quarterbacks that are, I think are relevant in rookie drafts going forward. There's a few that you can maybe make a case for if you, if you do like a four or five round rookie draft, like I do, because I'm a sicko. Um, but most rookie drafts are like three or four rounds. You probably don't have to worry about some of those other guys. They'll they'll be there. They'll be on your waiver wires and stuff. For sure, for sure. <laughs> I also like Hendon Hooker's um, situation. Like I know um, as we went on with these draft, uh, the quarterback prospects reviews, and a lot of the guys or the guests kept kind of saying like the Tennessee offense was gimmicky. But like I know being the short lines or NFL team. I just like some of the pieces they have. Um, oh, yeah. oh, they had a uh, homie. I forget the guy's name. Wow. Jameson Williams is sending for eight, yeah. eight games or so, or six games or so, but these have Amon Ra. But I just like those two pieces outside. They're obviously working with the running backs they have were phenomenal and the tight end. So I think he's going to a good situation. I don't know if it could be as gimmicky as he was in Tennessee, but I'm sure um, Dan Campbell and the Detroit staff could get him as polished as he needs to be as soon as possible. So I do like Hendon Hunter. It intrigues me. And some of the forgotten guys, uh, <laughs> quarterbacks around four and five. These guys are probably going to be backups, but there are some intriguing names. Um, mm-hmm. Jay Kaner was selected by the Saints. Uh, oh, my God. I was like, what the hell? Uh, the pick 127. The Rams picked Stetson Bennett with the five, uh, next pick at 128 in the fourth round. The Raiders selected Aiden O'Connell with the 135th pick. And then around five, Cardinals select Clayton Toon with the 139th pick. The Browns, Doria Thomas Robinson with the 140th pick. Uh, Packers got Sean Clifford and gave him Aaron Rodgers' number at the 149th pick. And we have the Vikings with Jared Hall with the 164th pick of the draft. Um, Coach John, um, I, I know some of these quarterbacks aren't glamorous, but are there any guys that you like or any guys that you love in their respective positions on their new NFL teams? Um, sure. So like I was saying, if you're doing like deeper, deeper rookie drafts, like I do a few deep leagues that we do six rounds of a rookie draft, you know, you can start looking at some of these names. I think, you know, Jay Hayner is one for sure. Uh, uh, that is a competent backup walking into a good situation. Doesn't have to, but if Derek Carr gets banged up, he's, you know, he's got pieces around him. Michael Thomas, he's got Chris Olave. He's got um, Alvin Kamara. So he's got pieces to make an offense move. I think Stetson Bennett interests me. Um, you know, we talked about how, how long does Stafford have left and Stetson Bennett could walk into a good situation. The thing that, bothers me or i'm afraid of is i have a feeling once um it starts to fall apart in la you'll see um what's his name sean mcveigh leave and once that happens then who cares like i don't you know i don't (laughs) care about the offense of the rams once mcveigh's gone but stetson bennett is interesting for sure 
Um, Aiden O'Connell, I wasn't huge on in the pre-draft process, but obviously it, it lands in a good situation. Um, there, you know, you have a feeling that that head coach is going to stay there for a while. They, they're not committed to Jimmy G in any way, shape or form. So I don't think Aiden O'Connell is going to beat him out, but there is a world where, you know, he, he pulls out a late, some late season heroics. Um, and then the rest of the guys are all backups. Dorian Thompson Robinson just is a perfect backup to what, um, Watson is uh, the we won't have to change the offense at all if if he goes down. Clayton Toon was an interesting pick because if if Kyler Murray does go down, you would have to completely change your offense uh, with Clayton Toon. But um, and then Clifford and Jaron Hall are just safe whatever picks. I wouldn't even worry about them. Hello, Steve. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you're likely going to draft some of these and and some for round drafts especially if you're in a deeper league in terms of bench spots where you're obviously in super flex so these guys are probably all fourth round picks back half of the fourth round selections here uh the ones i probably like the most are aiden o'connell again i was kind of high on him in the draft process really smart quarterback he doesn't have all the physical tools to be a fantastic quarterback but a very smart quarterback that i think has opportunity to potentially start this year. We know how Jimmy G's, uh, you know, injury history is where he could get the start at some point during the season. Uh, another guy like Clayton Toon, uh, John kind of mentioned, you know, Kyle Murray is likely to miss half the year. Uh, they have Colt McCoy. Uh, I'm trying to think who else they have. Um, there. They don't have Colt McCoy anymore. They don't have Colt McCoy anymore. I don't think so. I think the Patriots signed Colt McCoy for some crazy reason. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll look that up. They I'll, don't have I'll a quarterback that. that I can obviously name right now. So obviously yeah, so it's, not, yeah, it's not pretty after Kyler yeah. Murray. I'll tell you that. <laughs> exactly. <much. laughs> they have. He has an opportunity to start this year. So the contending teams, Aiden O'Connell and Clayton Toon, make a lot of sense. Um, again, in terms of maybe some redraft, rebuild teams, Stanton Bennett, you know, uh, Jared Hall. Uh, those guys have potential maybe to start in 2024. It's probably not that likely, but they do have the potential. Um, but like I said, Aiden O'Connor and Clayton Toon are the only ones I really did like here. Again, these are all kind of fourth round picks you make if you're looking for depth at your quarterback position to see maybe if one of them clicks. Mm-hmm. I agree. And the last but forgotten guys who are picked in round six or uh, undrafted free agent. So the Eagles got Tanner McKee at the 188th pick. The Chargers picked TCU's Max Duggan with the 239th pick. The Bears got Tyson Badgett as a unrestricted free agent, uh, undrafted free agent. I'm sorry. And the Patriots got Malik Cunningham as an undrafted free agent as well. So um, are any of these guys worth taking in a rookie draft? <laughs> uh, no. But surprisingly, the only one that I wouldn't be shocked if his name became relevant would be Malik Cunningham with the Patriots. Like it would just feel like such a Patriots thing to like get some guy out of the rough who does no one talks about and all of a sudden he turns out great. And it's like, all right, you know, so um, but no, I don't believe in any of this, any of these players. I don't think they will last <laughs> yeah. long on a roster. <laughs> no. Yeah, they're all practice squad last men on a uh, NFL roster bench at this point. Um, again, it's just worth mentioning to know where these guys might have gone, uh, just mm-hmm. to keep your eyes on them, obviously, for the training camp. If they do happen to stick to a team, but it's less likely that these guys end up being fantasy relevant, relevant at this point. So, see you in the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And for the second position that we're going over today, we're doing the running backs. Um, only two running backs were taken in the first round. You have B. John Robinson getting taken by the Falcons or, and the Lions getting Jamer Gibbs at the pick 12, which was quite shocking at the time of the mm-hmm. draft on um, Thursday night. So um, obviously both of these guys are worth taking in rookie drafts, but yeah. um, you guys could discuss each one and obviously let me know where you're comfortable taking them in the rookie draft. All right. Well, I mean, Bijan Robinson is the clear 101 in every format, in my opinion. Super flex, whatever. I don't care. You could start one running back, and it's still worth taking him 101. So, um, I, there's nothing else to say. I mean, Bijan Robinson. He, he's going <laughs> to really? see. Th- I mean, it's literally. He's going to see 300 plus touches, no problem. The only question is, are the Falcons going to be in a lot of scoring opportunity? So does he have top five upside? Probably not, but he is the safest bet to finish 
running back six to running back 15. Like there's no chance he's going to fall outside of that range next year. And then after next year, hopefully, you know, you, you, you hope their offense figures it out. Pitts takes a step forward. London takes a step forward. And then they are in scoring opportunities. And then Bijan Robinson's, you know, top three running back for the next three, four years. And so it's such a difference maker. And the fact that he went top 10 means you hope he slid to the Eagles just because of offensive reasons, but it's still, he's going to see as much opportunity as he can handle. It's just crazy. Um, and then Jameer Gibbs at 112, like you said, is a crazy high pick at the time. But then now with Swift being gone, when you reshuffle that running back room, you look at it and you can say, okay, this makes total sense. He's a perfect compliment to um, David Montgomery. I think they're going to work really well in tandem together. This idea that Jameer Gibbs is going to get this lion's share, no pun intended, workload and be a 300-plus touch guy like B. John Robinson, I don't think that is in the realm of possibility. I think Jameer Gibbs still is who he is. It's just the Lions really valued that. So that's why they took him at, at 12. But they're not. that doesn't mean like, oh, they took him at 12 so he becomes this you know, workhorse, 350 touch running back. No, he's still probably 150 carries and 100 targets. That's probably just who he is, which is fine. That works great with David Montgomery, who's probably 200 carries and 50 targets. So they complement each other perfectly and they're going to work out and be, you know, again, Lions, I think are going to be a sneaky good offense this year. Okay. Uh, where would you take Gibbs in a rookie draft? Like that's say like that's a great question. So this five. is so this is a this is all. So one on one is clearly Bijan, and then situationally, I'm assuming you're, let's talk one quarterback because when you get into superflex, then it's totally different. It's crazy. So one quarterback, you're assuming then do you need running back or wide receiver? Because it's either JSN or Jameer Gibbs, and I would still, based on positional value of running backs, I would still take Jameer Gibbs at one hundred two. I, I just I think it's just because when they do when running backs do hit, say he does become Alvin Kamara. I mean, that is such a difference maker and it helps. So whereas, you know, JSN, if I mean, again, JSN could become Amon Ross St. Brown and you're like, yeah, it's nice. It's it's a very good piece. It's helpful. But there's, you know, there's 20 wide receiver guys who could potentially be wide receiver ones year in, year out. So it's just I, I think the running back is more, you know, and has more trade value as well. So I would probably take Gibbs at 102. And then you start getting into the slew of wide receivers that, that you have to pick from. <laughs> Interesting. Coach Steve, what's your perspective? Yeah, I mean, I think John said the best. There's not much to say about B.J. Robinson. We wish he went to a, maybe a little bit of a more high-power offense situation. But obviously, he went to a high run efficiency offense in the Atlanta Falcons that, you know, a fifth round pick in Tyler Algier ran for a thousand yards. Imagine what a first round pick with his talent can do this coming season here. So uh, he's the confirmed one-on-one, no matter what format you're in, he should be the first running back taken off first pick taken off any draft boards. Pretty easy. Uh, again, wish he went to a different situation, but obviously the betting odds were that he was supposed to go to Atlanta and he ended up going to Atlanta. So I uh, hope you made that bet. On the other side, Jameer Gibbs, definitely a shocking pick here. Obviously, it's less shocking now, obviously, with DeAndre Swift out of town. But he should somewhat have somewhat of a similar role to what DeAndre Swift had in um, Detroit with a little bit more of a running opportunity. Obviously, we know that Swift wasn't used as much due to his injury history. I think Gibbs will be used a little bit more and more of a 50-50 split with uh, Dave Montgomery early on. Uh, Again, I didn't care for the pick at the time, but it's still a good pick now, obviously. Uh, he's probably the 105, 106 in Superflex leagues, depending on what you want, either him or Jackson Smith and Jigba. At that time, that's how I feel about it. Uh, he's probably the 102, 103 in you know one QB leagues at this point. Uh, but I don't think he's someone you should expect to be uh, a big touch guy where he's going to see just massive workloads week in and week out. He's I think he's going to end up having some boom weeks, some kind of lower weeks. It just depends on how frequently they want to use him in the passing offense. That's going to be his big ticket for us in fantasy. And again, take him 102, 103, but we've learned that even if you take a player at 102, he might not be safe the next season. So just be careful of that. Obviously, nowadays, we'll talk about that in like 30 seconds here, but uh, definitely two picks that are going to be worth taking. So, like, here's a perfect One. example DeAndre Swift in 2021, when he was healthy and playing well and everyone loved him, right. had 151 carries and 87 targets. 
So that is absolutely what Jameer Gibbs could do. No problem. Like he could walk into 160 carries and 80 targets tomorrow. Like that's easy. So you're hoping that's what he gets plus upside. So I, I think he's a, I love him. I would take him if he's going to slide. My only concern is that they didn't have the wide receiver core that they have now two years ago. Yeah. That's my only issue. So I don't know how frequently they're going to use him in that same capacity. Yeah. But no, I get it though. Interesting. Yeah, no, that's fair. That's a, that's a fair point. And Jared Goff notoriously doesn't love to um, like really throw to his running backs. He Mm -hmm. throws it, he throws it away more than anything, but I'm just saying there, there is a chance it could happen. Oops, got ahead a little bit. Okay, now I can brush up. Round uh, running backs that were taken in rounds two through four. You have Zach Carbonet picking by the Seahawks at fifty-second pick. You have Keandre Miller, Miller picking by the Saints at the seventy-first pick. Titans got Ty J Spears at the eighty-first pick. The the ball, the Dolphins got Devon. A chain. A chain. Yeah. A chain. Pick 84, Jaguars got Tink Bigsby at pick 88, and then the Bears took Roshan Johnson with the 115th pick in round four. John, I'll let you discuss each one, and then you could just name off any of the one, any running backs you feel comfortable taking at round one or the end of round one. So this, these landing spots killed me because all these landing spots on paper stink. Like you don't want, yeah. like, like you love, I love the talent of all of a lot of these players, but the landing spots were so tough. Roshan Johnson to me, interesting lands in probably the best situation where I think Roshan has a, a role where he really could, um, you know, they like Khalil Herbert. They talk about Khalil Herbert, but there is no realm of, you know, ties to Khalil Herbert. They don't have to move forward with him and and they're not committed to him being a a 300 touch guy either. So, you know, Roshan could walk in and easily carve out a big role. So I'm interested in Roshan Johnson. Um, Kendra Miller, again, I was high on the talent in the scouting process. He lands in a situation where if Alvin Kamara misses time, I know we were really high on um, James, uh, Jonathan Williams or no. Jamal. Jamal Williams. Thank you. I get so confused. Jamal Williams. I know we're really high on him and he's great touchdown machine. And it's interesting because Kendry Miller kind of falls in the same ilk and archetype as him, but um, could get into an interesting situation. If things change um, Tajay Spears, I, I like as well because of the fact that if Derrick Henry gets traded this season or gets moved in the off season or anything like that, Tajay Spears could instantly vault into a, you know, RB one type of role. A chain. I wasn't, high on pre-draft but landing spot i said was going to be big for him where if he lands somewhere where he finds an offense that knows how to use him he can be very useful so a chain to me is not going to be a high touch high volume guy but when he touches the ball it will be electric and it'll be big plays so he's he would be a fun like flex player in your roster like could hit every once in a while for a big 60 yard run but he's only going to touch the ball maybe eight to 10 times a game. So his floor is very low. And then tanks, big tank Bigsby and Zach Charbonnet, I think fall in really tough situations. I don't know. You know, I know that the Seahawks love the run and they're committed to the run and they'll run the ball until their heads fall off. So maybe him and um, you know, they both get 20 touches a game, but I don't see that. I see Charbonnet now as more of a really solid backup in the NFL for now and you know and maybe things change um and then tanks bigsby kind of the same situation he's just going to be the thunder to um uh, etn's lightning uh it'd probably be yeah i don't know not a lot short yardage guy i also think that they like etn in the red zone so i don't think he'll be a red zone guy i just think he'll be kind of a thumper when they need like a yard or two and they just kind of guarantee it so um that that's just it stinks because all i like all these talents and if the situations changed they would totally it would be totally different but um i think none of them where the wide receivers went and situational and even tight ends to be honest with you some of these guys maybe back of the first maybe but i'm not i'm not going crazy you know i'm not taking some of these guys like 106 like like we were doing for a while um 
you know, if you're hurting at running back, you want to take a chance at someone at 110, 111. But in my opinion, Roshan Johnson's probably the best pick, and you can wait till 204 and get him, 205 and get him. You don't have to, you don't have to take him at 110. So, um, you know, maybe trade back. Maybe if you have the 10 and you don't love it, trade back and pick up a second and a future first and, and see how that goes. But, um, yeah, a lot of these guys are probably high second round picks for me in rookie drafts. Hold on, Steve. You're muted. <laughs> muted up. Sorry about that. So, yeah, uh, I'll start at the top here. Zach Charbonnet going to Seattle was just a major, like, what the hell kind of situation <laughs> here. Because it obviously is, hurts his value as a potential three down back. He doesn't have that anymore. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how they're going to use these t- two together. Um, again, I just talked about in, in an article that we've seen teams be able to use dual-headed monsters at the you know RB position. The Browns have done it. The Cowboys have done it. The Saints have done it. Um, so, I mean, Seattle is a very love-run-heavy team. They like to run the ball. So, potentially, he has value. But I think him and, obviously, Kenneth Walker both have capped upsides now. They're no longer big-shot players that we would want to have as RB1s or RB2s and Again, maybe someone ends up getting hurt. Hopefully not, though, obviously, or someone out does someone. One of them guys step up and ends up being the real guy, but definitely don't like this pick at all here for him. Uh, Kendry Miller. Oh, I probably wouldn't take him in the first eight picks. Probably 10 or ten or 11 picks in the draft. I just wouldn't touch him. I'd rather let someone else deal with that situation than having to go after uh, Zach Charbonnet. Um, for the Saints, Kendry Miller, again, I wasn't too high on him. He comes into a situation where he could end up splitting time with Jamal Williams, uh, depending if Alvin Kamara is suspended, how long that is. But if not, he could be in the three-way committee for at least a year, and we'll see how that works out. Uh, again, he was kind of that bigger back, in my opinion, so he could end up having some role. But I definitely don't care for the landing spot. I would prefer them go to four, like a Taze Spears. I wish they went that direction. That would make me feel so much better about uh, that situation. But he kind of is a similar to what Jamal Williams is to some extent. Mm-hmm. And again, Second round pick, probably not really late. Second round pick, probably for my in my opinion. Uh, Tajay Spears, uh, love the landing spot for him. He has potential to be the 2024 starter after Derek Henry leaves. Again, I know there's some medical conditioning that uh, just arose after they picked him. Uh, something about that he's not fully healthy. So something mm-hmm. you want to keep your eyes on. There's a news article on it out there on NFL.com. So check that out. Again, I still like him. I don't know. After I read that article, I don't know if I like him as much in, as the first-round pick. Probably a high second-round pick. I feel more comfortable going that direction with him. He definitely has an opportunity to be the day a day-one starter in 2024 and obviously split time with Derrick Henry as a compliment change of pace back. Uh, Devon A-Chain from Miami. I like the pick. I, obviously, I mean, I obviously like the pick here. He's kind of a younger Raheem Mostert. If he can stay healthy, we saw what Raheem Mostert could do on you know 190 touches. Decent work. He's probably, in my eyes, a, a late first-round pick. I know I got him at the 110 or 111 in a recent draft here uh, because I need running back, and that with the, the players on the board or the players we're talking about now, he has the best opportunity to probably get a big chunk of the work this year and then potentially be the 2024 starter or at least the 1A or 1B of the offense there who likes to run efficiently. Uh, the Jags, I like Tank Bigsby. Uh, I don't like him going to the Jags as much. Uh, it definitely shows something for the Jags and Travis Etienne's trust to go get a guy in the third round. Uh, to me, I think that it might be more of a 50-50 split than people might think it will be, obviously, early on, personal opinion. Because um, I think everyone liked what Travis Etienne did with, with a bigger workload, and I think bringing a guy in the third round that shows something that they might not want to overuse uh, you know, Travis Etienne in that nature, and it may be more of a 60-40 split kind of. Uh, so Bigsby intrigues me in the second round, late second round. Uh, I haven't got that far in any of my rookie drafts yet, so I don't know exactly where they're going. Uh, Sean Johnson, definitely hate this situation for him early on. I don't know if he has much of a role in 2023. 2024 is probably where he could shine. Obviously, Herbert's on the last year of his deal in 2024. Deontay Foreman won't be there in 2024. So he'll probably get some work here and there, but his real value probably will come in 2024. Probably a mid to late second round pick right now if you're looking for a running back. Um, again, a lot of these landing spots, like John mentioned early, don't like any of them. So, <laughs> all right, I'm sure you might, you guys might like some of these, hopefully. <laughs> uh, running backs for taking the rounds five through six. You have Izzy, 
Uh, Izzy, yep, taken by the Giants oh with the 143rd pick. Yeah, the Bengals taking Chase Brown with the 163rd pick. The Giants taking Eric Gray with the 172nd pick. Uh, Colts taking Evan Hole with the 176th pick. Commanders got Chris Rodriguez Jr. with the 139, uh, 193rd pick in round six. Uh, Cowboys Deuce Vaughn, the 213th pick in round six. And lastly, Zach Evans taken by the Rams at the 215th pick. Uh, you guys could go give uh, the listeners some tidbits of each running back and whether you like their landing spot or not and then lastly uh just give the listeners like a short list of players that you probably would draft in the later rounds of your rookie drafts yeah so it's funny start with israel up in the conda i i had after we did the show with um john from um gridiron uh, scholar I went back and rewatched his film and I, and I started to fall in love with him. I'm like, Oh yeah, he's super talented. Love it. Great. And then he lands with the jets. And I'm like, well, they, this is a terrible spot. Again, terrible spot. You're behind Brees yeah. hall who clearly is a superstar in the making and it stinks. So I think that he is, that's a great pick for the jets. Great talent in the fifth round that you're getting and very valuable to have, you know, if you need, um, if you need to give Brees Hall a, a rest, you got someone as talented as uh, Israel in there. So I don't think he has immediate value. Um, again, you draft him late, late in your rookie drafts based on talent alone. And, you know, maybe Brees Hall isn't ready week one, or maybe an injury flares up or something happens. It's a good situation, good offense. You know, Rodgers is there now, so there'll be plenty of scoring. I just have a feeling a lot of that is just, Going to go to Brees Hall. So for fantasy, it's tough. Um, Chase Brown, interesting spot. Bengals, great situation. You know, Joe Mixon, we know there's a ton of legal trouble. There's been rumors that he could be cut. There's rumors that he's traded. So, um, again, good, decent talent, but he's in a great situation. If Mixon is gone, then he could fight his way into a a great role. Um, Eric Gray, backup, talented guy, but you know, back up to, um, at least for the year, um, you know, back up to Barkley, probably get a little bit of a run, but you know, they're going to use Barkley on the franchise tag until his legs fall off. Um, Evan Hull, same thing. I mean, it's, it's the Jonathan Taylor show. Um, commanders, interesting Cowboys, interesting Deuce Vaughn. Um, you know, is Zeke gone? Can he find himself a little bit of role and a little bit of work with Tony Pollard? should be a good offense. I don't know what the offense looks like without Kellen Moore. So, um, and then Zach Evans, again, super late, but good situation. Interesting. Um, you know, the Rams in that whole, uh, running back situation last year was crazy that Cam Akers even came back and played another snap. So who knows what's going to happen there. Um, but again, dynasty purposes, Zach Evans could win that role, but all of a sudden next year it's, dismantled and Stafford's gone and uh, Sean McVay's gone. And then who wants any of the Rams players? So I think it's just tough. Once you get past the fourth round for running backs, there's so, there's so little investment by a team that it's hard to, it's hard to invest for fantasy purposes. But I would, again, like, I think we got blessed with so many tight ends and wide receivers with good landing spots this year that, I'm not taking a stab at any of these guys until, you know, third, late third, fourth round, uh, if you just need depth. Coach Steve, what do you got for us? Yeah, uh, it was really upsetting to see Atta Cabana. I can't say his name. Atta Cabana. I can't say his name. Uh, the guy from Pitt uh, go to the New York Jets here in that fifth round. I mean, I thought he had three down potential to his game. So seeing him go to be a change of pace, backup type for Brees Hall, definitely sucks uh he definitely destroys what value i liked him in the third round i probably would take him if i was a contender late third because of maybe his 2023 potential with Brees hall coming back from his acl injury so that's interesting i still would consider taking him he's a talent sometimes talent does wear out and again he's only 21 so i mean in three years he could be on a new team for you know and and still have a chance to be a starter somewhere uh chase brown going to the Bengals. i really intrigued with this i wasn't super high on on brown but i did like his speed and if the 
the Bengals do release Joe Mixon that give, could give Chase Brown an opportunity to see productive work in 2023. He's definitely for someone I'm probably looking at the early the mid third round still, uh, especially if I'm in need of running back because I think there's potential there. Uh, Eric Gray, I love Eric Gray, and mm-hmm. I thought this was a good spot for him to land because we don't know what's going on with Saquon. I said that Eric Gray would be someone who would need to probably have a quiet would probably have a quiet rookie year then have a real opportunity in 2024 to, for a starting roster spot. And again, we don't know what's going on with Saquon. He could end up signing long-term, which would obviously kill Eric Gray's value. But um, I think Eric Gray could end up doing some solid work for the New York Jets. He's definitely someone I am still looking to target in the third, mid to third round there because I think there's potential, even with Saquon Barkley there. Um, you know, Saquon is getting going to get older as we get closer. I think he's already 25, 26 at this point. So he's not like a young kid anymore. And he has a history of injuries. So that eventually will probably catch up to him at some point once again. And then I think Earl Gray will get his opportunity to go. Uh, the Colts, Evan Hall is a good running back. He's just a good kind of team running back. And I think he could fit in as a solid backup for Jonathan Taylor. He'll probably fight Zach Moss for the backup job for that, that role there. He's a good fourth-round pick, I think, to grab if you're looking for depth at running back. Uh, Chris Rodriguez, seen him go in the sixth round. Again, it's not out of the ordinary, but I thought he'd probably go undrafted. They already have a similar built running back like Brian Robinson uh, on the roster, so seeing Chris Rodriguez goes there, he's basically just a two-down back. So mm-hmm. if you're getting him, he's getting he's basically there, I think, for depth backup, and I, I don't really see much value in him. I probably won't see him drafted in many leagues. Uh, Deuce Vaughn, he's probably going to get drafted because he's going to the Cowboys. Again, he's only 5'5". Five five. Uh, he's not very tall. He's very short running back. So uh, I don't really see him having too much fantasy value because he's not going to see massive workloads. He's going to be probably be someone that uses in terms of a gadget, uh, you know, design plays for him to succeed. You could take a shot late, late fourth and see if maybe that value ends up going there, but I, I don't see it too much. Uh, Zach Evans, again, wasn't a major fan of Zach Evans a lot, but again, he ends up in an opportunity like the Rams where Cam Akers on the last year of his deal and Carrion Williams didn't really overly impress as a rookie. So Zach Evans couldn't find himself in a situation where he is seeing work in this Rams offense here. So it could be interesting, probably a late third round pick right now, maybe fourth round pick. Um, but again, not mo- a lot of these guys didn't go in spots I wish they would have went at least, so. Boo-hoo. <laughs> okay. And lastly, we have the running back selected in round seven or acquired after the draft. Uh, Vikings had Dwayne, Dwayne McBride selected with the 222nd pick of round seven. Packers got Lou Nichols, the 235th pick. Kenny McIntosh, 237th pick by Seattle. And the Texans picked up, Jesus, I need glasses. Uh, Zazavion Valaday, uh, Lions got Mo Abraham, uh, Ravens got Keaton Mitchell, Panthers got Cam Peoples, and the Bucks got Sean Tucker. I have one question for you guys Is there a gem here? Anybody who could be a diamond or, and be uncovered in the future? Um, in the future? The- only one that re- that is remotely interesting is Dwayne McBride. That's the only one, and that's because there's been rumors that Cook could be on the move. And um, again, that's at this point you have to look for a situation to totally change for these guys to become relevant. And that's the only situation that I think could totally change where someone might slide way up a depth chart. Other than that, everything else is probably kind of locked up or at least like semi locked up, you know, like I don't, you know, I I don't think you'd have a lot would have to change for the Packers. Tons would have to change for Seattle. You know what I'm saying? Like at least the Vikings, if they trade cook, like then all he has to do is beat out, um, you know, what's his name? Um, I can't think of that. What's his team? Um, Vikings. Vikings, Minnesota Vikings, back Alexander, Alexander Madison. Thank you. Yeah, he's he just has to beat out Madison um, to get significant playing time, which is possible. So, you know, if a month from now or two months from now, Dalvin Cook is traded, Dwayne McBride would be interesting. All right, Steve. Yeah, uh, yeah, Dwayne McBride is, is definitely an interesting candidate for sure. 
uh, because he could end up competing for the job. Uh, like John just said, if Dalvin Cook is released, I think a lot. I think throughout the draft, you heard his name a lot, saying, "Wow, I'm surprised that Dwayne McBride is still sitting there. I'm surprised McBride is still sitting there." And obviously, he took him all the way to the seventh round to go off the board here. A uh, couple others, uh, Sean Tuck going undrafted was very interesting. I think mm. part of that had to do with his recovery from his injuries and not really performing, not posting great athletic numbers uh, mm. at his pro day. Uh, but he ends up with the Bucks, which could give him an opportunity to be successful. I mean, all I mean, Rashad White is there, obviously still, but uh, Sean Tucker is that bigger back. We talked about him being potentially a, a three-down back in the NFL. Uh, so that's interesting for potentially late in your rookie drafts or priority right off rookie drafts to go get a guy like that. If you have extra bench spots on your roster, he's definitely an interesting guy to go and get. Um, I mean, that's that's kind of really a Keaton Mitchell. I did an article, an in-depth article, and so I mean, I kind of liked him a little bit. But again, they have some a lot of a lot of running backs in that Ravens backfield. But he was interesting to go there. No one else really stood out overall to me. So. That's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, there you have it, folks. That's the quarterbacks and the running backs who are drafted in the NFL draft. Um, we'll be back tomorrow to discuss wide receivers and tight ends. So our normal listeners will be here tomorrow. Don't you worry. Um, as always, you can follow us on Twitter at Coaches Fantasy. You could watch this video since you're probably going to watch it tomorrow at the Fantasy Coaches on YouTube. So um, a lot of content there. Uh, what else? Uh, Coach John, you have anything else you want to say? No, um, just follow, subscribe to the YouTube. Um, shout out Coach Steve. He's really been chopping up the uh, segments and videos into really like these five and six minute bite sized segments. So it's been great. Um, so if you want to just subscribe, get caught up on individual players and get our thoughts on a quick format, it's been great. So um, I love it and I am part of the show and I listen and love it. So <laughs> subscribe and, and certainly take advantage. So shout out coach Steve. You've been um, killing it in the production department. Yes, sir. Coach Steve. Yeah. I appreciate that, John. Thank you so much guys. Uh, yeah, obviously, you know, continue to listen into us. We'll be back throughout the rest of this month talking rookie stuff. And then eventually we'll get into redraft season. That's around the corner. Now that the rookie, the rookies have been collected. Yeah. It's heating up. It's heating up, heating but let, up. Us get, yeah. let us get through May. We're going to help you guys get through your rookie drafts. We'll be doing obviously some more tomorrow. We'll be doing rookie drafts next week. We'll be talking, you know, veterans impacted by the draft and, and, and fun things like that. So continue to listen in as always, whether it's on YouTube or on any podcast network you listen to, or, you know, if you listen to us live, wherever we do. So, yeah. Boom. All right, guys, we're the coaches and we're signing out. Later. The back is not far-fetched. We got a couple of clock cans. I've been feeling super duper. How the heck they know the future? Come with me, don't be a loser. Grass is green like Cooper Scoopers. Clueless analysts don't do the half of this. In fact, I'm backing this by asking if y'all remember that tough act interacting. Shh, like boom, running like Zoom. The highest and mighty has entered the room. High off the knowledge, I'm feeling the fumes. All players covered this nuts as legumes. Opponents are doomed, and these are the facts. I keep it 100 like I'm running track. I listen up, Jack, I'ma head back, back to the blowing up, blowing up, blowing up, go.